Welcome to TMI Today with Rita Bocuzzi and Jen Lee. In this podcast, there is no such thing as too much information. We are diving into all of the taboo topics from money and careers to relationships and parenting to whatever else we've been too afraid to discuss as women. Listen in and join the movement as we raise each other up in our everyday lives. Hello and welcome to TMI. We are lucky enough to have Mia Tepper today with us. Rita, tell us about Mia. All right. Super excited. Mia Tepper is here with us. She is the author of Parenting Pressures and Pleasures. She is a former C-suite executive mom, and I'm going to say a woman to all people for all things, just like many of us are. And bringing Mia here today, I felt was so important to leveraging up our life skills in the arena of parenting, because, you know, we're never taught how to raise adults, I'm going to say, because I, I hear the phrase kids versus adults. So Mia, I want to ask you, what was your motivation and insight? I know you're a mom to four beautiful, wonderful, amazing adults and um, love, love them all. And how, you know, how do you do it? How did you do it? And how can we do it too? And share your insights. And what was the motivation behind the book? Let's start there. Okay, sure. So, well, thank you both for having me on. I'm very excited to be sharing these insights. And just for transparency, it's not just my insights. What I did is I interviewed a lot of people around the globe, a lot of people from different cultures and backgrounds and types of families, because there's not just one great way to parent. There's many. I feel like I got lucky. My husband and I, we have four amazing kids. We are so proud of them. And a lot of people kept saying to us, how do you do it? How do you do it? Um, The main thing that started this is when I was a student at UCLA Anderson, I went back for my MBA when I was in my 40s, and I did have four kids at that point. They were ages 6 to 13, and thank goodness I have an amazing husband who is so hands-on and independent kids, and that was part of what made it successful, so that's the quick short answer on that, but what happened is that after I graduated business school, they kept calling me saying, can you talk to a parent? I have someone who's applying to our program, but They don't know how you work and do it with the family and keep your marriage on track and volunteer. How do you do it all? So we did a podcast for Usually Anderson, and then I kind of let it go. And then when COVID hit, I was working from home and I was reduced to 80% time um, in my C-suite job. I'd been there for 30 years, so it was something I could do from home. And when it was reduced to 80% time, I took one day a week to work on me. And there was a book that I read that is by a great friend and author, Kathy Sharp Ross, and it's called Reinvent Your Life. What are you waiting for? And in there, she has these toolkit exercises. And one of the exercises that I did was, what makes you happy? What were you doing last when you were happy? And so I thought about that. And I'm a writer. I used to write poetry all the time. I was a very serious kid. I wrote a screenplay before grad school. And I realized that I hadn't gotten back to those 10 tips for working moms in business school and hired a writing coach named Patrick Snow. And that's part of the way that Rita and I know each other. And he basically helped me decide that 10 tips for working moms going to business school is a little bit too tight of a niche. And I realized (laughs) in what I had been writing that really it was more just general parenting advice on a lot of different topics. And that is one chapter in the book about how to go back to school or start a new career or what have you. But it did morph and really come to an area where I think 
this is going to be kind of like an anthology and it's for tips from birth to college and beyond and it's tips and hints along the way. There's 20 chapters, so that's why the subtitle is 20 tips for each stage of your child's life because I just wanna help parents make this process more joyous. I was seeing people on Facebook saying, mommy's in a timeout with a glass of wine in the bathroom while her kids are knocking on the door, mommy. And I thought, you know, it shouldn't be that way. I, don't, I feel bad for these parents. And this was even pre-COVID. So this was before things got really hectic with moms and the overload and burden that, that occurred during COVID and the pandemic. So I really thought, you know, I like helping people. And if I can just help one mom or one family get through this process with a little more joy, with more independence with their kids, and really love the process rather than regretting it or begrudging it, then I thought I've done my job. And so of your tips, what would be the biggest or your most favorite takeaway that somebody could get out of your book? I think the, well, there, there's going to be two because one has to do with okay. you as a couple, because okay. staying married is not something that we're taught how to do, right? Mm -hmm. We're taught reading, writing, arithmetic. We're not taught how to stay married, how to raise kids or how to, how to have wealth in our families. So those are three things that we're not taught. So I'm going to do maybe one for marriage and the, the relationship, and then maybe I'll do one for, you know, the kids. And I think the biggest thing is to raise them with independence and responsibility. And I think there's some parents out there today who do too much for their kids, AKA the helicopter mom or dad, because mm -hmm. I've seen it in dads too. And I think you really need to give your kids that autonomy and responsibility and independence you know, from simple things. And I like the way our grade school did this. And it kind of, kind of gave me an idea about it. And it was essentially that as each grade progressed in school, the kids got more responsibility, you know, whereas you'd go to the library as a little kid and you would listen to a story. Then a couple of grades later, you'd be able to check out a book and take it into your classroom. Then a few grades later, you'd be able to take that book home. So I kind of like that concept of having the independence and the responsibility progress as they got older. So when my kids were little, it was, okay, let's make a game. Who can match the socks from the laundry the fastest? Or who can pick up, you know, the most toys in the fastest amount of time? Or who can put the books on the shelf? You know, give them little things that are age appropriate. Obviously when they get older, I'm gonna to jump to high school, um, you know, are you taking those advanced placement courses? Are you challenging yourself? Are you volunteering with something that matters to you? Not just to check the box on the college resume, you know, so there's different ways that you can level up and ask your child to be independent and take responsibility for themselves. And I think one of the biggest ones that I learned as a kid that I still to this day have to do every day, and that is making my bed. And, you know, the retired admiral wrote a book about it. He had a college speech on this and he wrote a little yes. book on it and it's called Make Your Bed. If you haven't read it, please do. It's a really quick, short, easy book to read. But that is something that I was raised with. My stepfather was in the Navy and there were a lot of us kids when he married my mom. That was, that was their second marriage. And if we didn't make our bed, well, we were grounded and grounded meant no TV or no seeing your friends for a week. So we didn't want that. So we learn to make our beds every day. And honestly, to this day, it's something I have to do. I can't get out of bed and not make my bed. <laughs> and his point is that if you do this, no matter what else happens in your day, you have at least accomplished one thing. I know it's little, but, you know, give yourself a little credit. You did one thing today. And maybe for some people that are struggling, that's all they can do. 
So, you know, it's a way, again, to help people feel better about themselves, be more productive for their family, be productive in society and in their communities. And, you know, I just, I don't know, I guess it's the place where I am in my big blended family that I want people to be happy. That's just something I've always wanted. There's a couple of things. So as you were speaking, so for me, I was thinking it gives them a sense of purpose when we do everything for anybody or other people, we don't allow them up to step up into their greater selves. And mm -hmm. I, uh, life is, if we're always expanding, right? Uh, or growing, we get to get comfortable with what's uncomfortable. And if we start that young, then they can explore and expand and have a greater sense of purpose in their lives and direction um, of where they want to go because they know it's possible for them, right? And you, you, I, as the parent, we get to create that for them. And I think that sometimes is a big miss for a lot of parents. We, I'm going to say we made it easy for our kids and we always thought, oh, it'll be easier. Well, because it was also easier a little bit for us. I, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about like Velcro shoes. <laughs> <laughs> kids, right? You know, it's a great shortcut. <laughs> great shortcut, made it so easy. But then you know, we, we really didn't teach kids challenge or the uh, dexterity right. and the brain connection to connecting how they tie their shoes. And I forgot there's another word to it, but so it's just this connection from their brain to the physical of what they get to create and how amazing that is that we get to teach them by the time they're five. And can I share a simple example on this? Now? Yeah, this is also that would be great. Book. So yeah. there's talking about the dexterity and the strength in your hands and, and feeling confident and independent and being able to, you know, be proud of something you did. So I always let my kids do their own hair. I mean, when they were little, little, I did it, but by the time they were school age, mm -hmm. yes, they might've been the sloppiest kindergartner out there on the play yard. Maybe their ponytail was crooked and uneven and hairs hanging out. But let me tell you something, that practice, that strength in their hands helped them. So by the time that they were in first or second grade, they actually looked as good as the other kids, but they were doing it themselves. And like you said, it gave them that feeling. I'm proud. I did this myself. And I yeah. think that's really important. That's important for kids to know that they can control how they look, because unfortunately, our society does judge us by how we look. So I yeah. think it's a very small example, but it's really, it's, a, it's an important thing. And I don't know if you want me to get to the, the marriage tip. One second. I, will I, like, I wanted to wrap this around for just a second because I have six and eight year old girls. And so okay. I'm in the, the throes of all that fun thing. And what I find is they're so hungry for learning new things. And it's so easy to try to make things easy for them that I appreciate you saying, and I've been trying to get my husband to let them do their own baths and showers and things like that. And so I really appreciate what you're saying about give them that opportunity to do maybe not the neatest way of doing things, but give it to them. So I appreciate that. I love that you brought that up, Jen, because I remember a phrase that is perfect is the enemy of good enough. Mm -hmm. Let our kids just be good enough. Then they learn that they are enough and it doesn't have to be perfect. Just like Mia said, and Mia, you know, I was thinking about you know, yes, you raised, you didn't, not just your own poor kids, but you came from a really large family, right? I do. I come from a very large blended family of 17 children. I hope everyone's <laughs> sitting down and not falling off your chairs. 
That's why so I had to bring that I up. I like to say that maybe I did it all wrong before I did it all right. And someone told me that should be the title of my book. But, you know, there were times where when I was over there visiting for the weekend and I didn't understand things because I was a kid in my own family, I'm the youngest of five. So in my family, I was the baby, right? So I was treated sort of differently as this baby. Yet then I go over there and all of a sudden out of that, you know, second half of the family, I'm the oldest. So I'm, you know, taught by my dad to go help and pitch in and do whatever's needed. So what do I as a little kid know about helping and pitching in? Okay, I know how to clean up things. I'll do that. And um, you know, like little things like go make them lunch. So I remember this is one thing that after I had my own child, I was like, oh, I did that wrong as a kid, but now I'm going to do it right as a parent. And it was a very simple thing. I think one of my siblings asked for a salami sandwich. So I make the salami sandwich and I put it on the table and they kind of had the little attitude of like, I wanted peanut butter and jelly. And in my mind, and I think I said this out loud, and this probably wasn't the nicest thing to say, but again, this is why you don't have kids raising kids. I said, you little brat, you asked for salami, not peanut butter and jelly, but that was not a nice thing to say, right? But then when I was pregnant, I remember going to a restaurant and ordering a meal and taking a bite and going, no, no, I don't want this. I, I want something else. And my husband's like, but you ordered it. I'm like, I know, but I don't want it now. And in that moment, I flashed back to that memory of the salami and peanut butter jelly sandwich lunch. And I thought, oh, I get it now. You can't always control what you want. And, you know, as a little kid, you're, you're, you know, you're going to speak out and say, that's not what I wanted. And so little things like that, there were a lot of examples that as I was raising my own children with my husband, where I thought, ah, okay. Like the, like the example of a kid saying no. How many parents does that drive them crazy when, the, when your toddler gets in the no stage? And I remember the no stage and I didn't know what to do about it as a kid. The no stage just stayed in the no stage. However, when I became a mom, I changed it into no's. So every time our toddler would say no, I'd say, is that your nose? And I would tap them. And then they thought it was funny and they'd laugh and it distracted them, which by the way, is the key to toddlers and elderly alike. <laughs> change the topic so true first <laughs> so so true and and I uh you know you, you keep on mentioning your wonderful husband and you know the marriage piece so share a little bit on that part and then I don't know if you can share a little bit on you know whether you're married or single uh, are those tips there as well so maybe you could share a little bit about those two things first your wonderful husband Absolutely. Well, so we've been together for a long time now. He was my prom date. Uh, and I, I don't call him my high school sweetheart because we literally met a month before high school ended, but we did date all through college and then got married six and a half years later. So we're approaching 38 years this spring. So we've learned a few things, right? And we haven't always done it all right. I think sometimes we did it wrong before we did it right. But I think the point is, you know, to hang in there. And I think the biggest thing is communication. Because when you have open communication, those little things that are bugging you don't blow up into these giant things. And you realize, oh, that was it. You know, like the I love Lucy when they're having their tea and she clinks the glass and they're each getting annoyed with each other. And it's like, oh, it would have been just so simple to say, 
darling, could you not clink the tea glass when you stir it with your spoon, right? But instead it became this huge fight that erupted. And I find if you just tackle the little things and you, and you talk about them playfully, you talk about them when you're in a good mood, don't talk about them when you're angry, because then it's going to come out angry and it's not going to go well. And you might say things that you regret or that step over that line. So talk about things when you're happy. And I think what leads into that is have that date night. That is so important to take time for you to solidify yourself as a couple, hopefully before you have kids, because then you're really making your base strong, that building that foundation together. But when you have kids, let me tell you something. This is the most important babysitting money you're going to spend, because if you don't, therapy is a heck of a lot more expensive. So, you know, don't complain about the babysitter. Don't complain about how much it costs you out to eat. Or if you only have money for the babysitter, go for a walk right? Do the things you did when you were first meeting, right? When you first meet someone, you're so excited. You could meet them on a walk or in a coffee shop and you're thrilled. You don't have to do something fancy to go on a date, but do have that date time. And this is something that we learned actually from a priest, which is kind of funny, but he said, when you go on your date, you're going to get the first five or 10 minutes to talk about your kids because that's just something as new parents you do. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. They did this today. They rolled over. They smart. They smiled and it wasn't gas, right? Whatever it is that you're talking about. <laughs> and so you spend those first five or 10 minutes talking about the kids. Then each of you has five or 10 minutes to talk about what's going on in your day or that week. And then after that, just be. Just be together. Enjoy each other's company. Try to remember why you liked each other in the first place. Why did we get married and go through all this? right? And, and then it just, it gets all that stuff out of the way, right? And you don't get annoyed by it. And, and I find that when you're doing this on your dates, that's when you can have those conversations of, you know, you're really letting that mail pile up and it's driving me nuts. Okay. I'll try to be better. Or when you trim your beard, the little hairs that are left on the sink are driving me crazy, right? But you can say these things because you're not angry about them and you sort of know that you have this time. And I know, I think Rita's parents had something similar where they had a Monday night talk. Their their topic might've been a little different, but the idea is that you're talking about these little teeny tiny things that could become these gigantic problems Mm. if you let them get out of control. But if you just tackle them on a weekly date, you can laugh about them. And, you know, to this day, I, I need a GPS badly. I am terrible with directions. I did not get the homing, homing pigeon in me like my husband did. Like We laugh about it, right? But it could have been something that could have become this point of, oh, my God, it's driving me crazy that she doesn't know how to get there. And we've driven to Palm Springs every year, twice a year for the last 20 years. And she still has to look at her GPS, right? I don't know. I, like I said, I didn't get the homing pigeon gene. Somehow I am terrible with directions, but we can laugh about this because we've talked about it so much. Right. And we can laugh about his hairs on the sinks because he doesn't put his glasses on when he's trimming. And so he doesn't see it there. Right. And, and so anyway, these things can be fun, but the date night, the open communication and just, you know, don't ever break your trust because if you do break your trust, what's going to happen is you can forgive the person, but you might not forget it. And that can cause problems too. And so then you might have to get creative in your marriage as to how are you going to get that trust back? So yeah, I think what you're saying is so vital. I mean, it's going to be next year. It'll be 30 in a few months. It'll be because we're, well, I say a few months. I always call it ahead of time, 33 years. <laughs> so it's 32 years. And yes, learning from my parents. One of the things is they have many Monday, I call them money Monday dates. So they would every Monday meet 
around and have discussions around their money so that they would be aligned and that they would be on top of everything and they'd know everything and have their budget together, which was really awesome. You know, and yes, you're going to have ups and downs in your marriages. And I remember to a conference called A Weekend to Remember because my husband and I were struggling, having a really difficult time. We were not aligned, um, especially with the kids. So this is one of the things is like, I'm going to say my, my youngest son, what his biggest thing was divide and conquer. It's always like one parent. And so if the two of you aren't united and you're not communicating about it, oh, wow, those kids can tear you down (laughs) than you can imagine. And so we ended up at this conference and it was quite interesting. Uh, One of the facts was um, the fact that they were asking all of us what they thought the number one reason for divorce was. And what do you think everybody said? I mean, what do you think people said? I'm not asking what you, you know, but what do you think they said? They said it was money. Mm-hmm. Actually, it wasn't money. It was what Mia said. It was communication. Communication about any topic can turn almost into a war. And our tones of our voices, as Mia was saying, are very important. So sometimes like when I'm upset, like yesterday, I had my phone crashing, my computer crashing, and my son came in and I was obviously visibly upset, but I remembered that I couldn't talk to him in in any kind of tone, even though I said, okay, I'm having a meltdown. Um, I can't really tell you what I need right now. I'll I'll have to tell you later because I got to figure out what I got to figure out for myself right now. But, you know, I'm going to say probably the old me when I was the younger version of me would have been, get out. I can't deal with all this. I would have kind of taken that all out on him and, and it wasn't his issue so if we get to be mindful and, and I and I, I'm going to tell you when I did it that way I kind of felt better about it because if you do that then you have that regret thing after so we get to be mindful in the communication that we're having with ourselves right so having that self-respect and self-care and I really love that the parenting pressures and pleasures so that we could take the joy. So be sure to get Mia's book. Mia, where can they find out about more of these amazing tips and your book? Well, you can go to the website if you want, which is parentingpressuresandpleasures.com. Or you can email me. I'll give you my personal email. So it's Mia, M-I-A-S for my middle initial, Tepper. T-E-P-P-E-R at gmail.com. And you can pre-order the book now. If you do want to pre-order the book, it's coming out soon. We've got some supply chain issues in the country. So if you order now, we will provide free shipping and you can order that in hardback or softback, whichever you prefer. Wonderful. I'm super excited. I can't wait to read it. I'm definitely going to get it because this is, you know, this is definitely leveraged up, right? And it takes village and that is, one of, I want everybody to know maybe one fun fact about you. You know, this is about motivational insights and you've given us great tips today. So thank you so much. And so what's one, let's leave everybody with one fun fact about you. Okay. This is a fun fact that anyone who knows me knows already. So for our listeners out there who don't know me, I love exercising and I have been working out since I was 13 years old, had my first gym membership at 13 taught aerobics classes and fitness classes as one of my four jobs working my way through college. And now I still do it. And I was a beach body coach for a, a couple of years just to help help moms get their mojo back, right? Because sometimes when you have a kid, you start eating the junky stuff and you get, get into like maybe some bad habits. And so I loved helping moms 
you know, realize you can eat better, you can be an example for your kids and eat better, and you can do that. And so one of the challenges I have is not doing my workout every day, but I do have a fear of heights. So a fun fact is that recently, my husband and one of our daughters, we went and did a Via Ferrata in Mammoth. And if you don't know what that is, look it up. And it's where you're climbing pretty high heights uh, on these rungs that are basically like a gigantic stapler put into the side of a mountain and you are clipped in, you have a harness, you're very safe. We had a guide and you're climbing all the way up. And uh, it was it was a big, a big accomplishment for me because of my fear of heights. I like to challenge myself always to be better. And, and this is just a small way that I can be better because it's my challenge. It's, it's me personally, right? That's something that- I love that fun um, fact. I, I want you, I would, I'm gonna ask you to share one tip because I know that you did this and I love that you did this because I think about you all the time. It, <laughs> it doesn't have to be the half hour workout. It can be the five minutes in between, right? Right, absolutely. You know, a lot of people think you have to spend one or two hours in the gym a day to look fantastic. Let me tell you a secret tip, and this is not secret if you follow Beachbody. 80% of your fitness happens in the kitchen. What you're putting in here is going to affect this more than working out. I do work out so that my muscles are strong and I'm fit and I fit in my clothes. And I, I do enjoy that part of it. It's not at this age, I'm in my mid fifties. It's not about looking svelte and, you know, being on the cover of muscle and fitness. Although I did go for that and I got in the top five. <laughs> but of course you did. <laughs> Thank you. But you really can do a lot with a quick workout. And here's the tip. If you can just make it a habit, do it something every day. And when I say that, again, I don't mean one or two hours in the gym, just get out there and do something simple. Even if one day it's just a quick 20 minute block walk around the block, but then maybe the next day you do something with weights and you make yourself a little sore and, you know, do different workouts to try and get all of your body. But, you know, you want to work on your strength and conditioning and you want to work on your cardiovascular. The two together are the perfect pair with what you're putting in your mouth and eating. Drink lots of this, lots of water, cut the soda. If you're a person trying to lose weight, that is the first tip I will tell you. Cut soda, cut alcohol, cut anything that's processed food. If you just do that, I promise you, you're gonna lose some, you're gonna lose some inches and some pounds because you don't realize how much extra burden that puts on your body. Thank you, Mia. What I'm hearing from all of your tips that you shared was that habits are really important and developing good habits from early on will help us all through life. So thank you very much for all of your tips and fun facts today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was exciting to have you here on today's Motivational Insights, leveraging up your life skills, and we look forward to seeing you again.